I'm Josh Pollard. I'm Joe Dostasio. And this is Story Players, the podcast that analyzes story-driven video games. Today we are discussing Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice, the award-winning action-adventure game developed by Ninja Theory, originally released on PlayStation 4 and PC in August of 2017. As we've been trying to do on the last two episodes, we're going to start off with a spoiler-free introduction for any of you who are listening to this because you're interested in playing Hellblade, but you're not quite sure if it's the game for you or a game for you. So real quick introduction, Joe, what is Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice all about? So in this game, you play as a Celtic warrior named Senua, and she's traveling to hell to rescue the soul of her beloved Dillion. It takes place probably a thousand or so years ago, you know, during the time of the Vikings, like the Viking Age. Right. There's a ton of Norse mythology, so you'll hear names like Odin and Loki, but you don't necessarily see many of those, you know, characters, those well-known characters. This isn't God of War. You're not going to see actual versions of those. Gameplay includes some light exploration, some basic melee combat, some light puzzle solving. But really the focus here, I think, is on the story. You're playing to learn more about Senua, her history, uh, her relationships, and what motivates her. And the key premise here, what makes this game and this story interesting and different, is that Senua is suffering from psychosis, which you know means it's kind of hard to tell sometimes what's real and and what isn't. Mm-hmm. So what you know, what did you what did you think of the game? I can't say it's a game that I like just because. With the psychosis element and stuff, it's not necessarily always fun, Mm -hmm. but I, I did really enjoy this game. I mean, there were, there were times, especially later on in the game where like, I didn't necessarily want to play it more (laughs) because it's a hard game to play, but I did, I did enjoy every single time I sat down and played this game. How about you? Yeah, it was kind of like a, a roller coaster of emotions for me on this game. I liked it at the beginning a lot and then it it would go on and I sort of started to feel like I really didn't want like I had issues with uh, some of the story and some of the gameplay elements but you know by the time I finished it you know I I was well it it came together by the end for me especially after watching the behind the scenes or feature that is included with the game okay so one other thing that we always like to point out to the listeners is how long it takes us to complete these games and a lot of the games that we've played have have only been a couple of hours long and that is not the case with this one but unfortunately i have no idea how long it took me to play this game because i normally just go off of how long steam says i've been playing a game and i accidentally left the game open at the title screen for over a day (laughs) and i know it didn't take me 30 hours to play through this game so how long did it take you to play i was probably Seven, little over seven hours. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so it's not going to be a sit down and play it through in, in one sitting like Virginia and Tacoma and so many of the other It's games definitely not like one of those games, but it's also not going to go on for dozens of hours. It's not a massive right. RPG. Right, exactly. So there are a couple of things that we both kind of wished we had known or at least better understood before starting this game, and I think it makes sense to to pass those off to anybody who hasn't actually played through this yet. And one of the big ones for you is the sound. Yeah, it, the game tells you at the beginning that they really recommend you wear headphones. And a lot of games say this. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's 
it eliminates distractions, right? You can really focus on and fully hear the sound. And so I kind of ignored that warning or that recommendation and just played. I played through the speakers normally and, you know, I, I turned it up and I didn't have anybody else in the room with me, but there's a good reason why you should have headphones on. Yeah. And I believe I played the start of this game before you and told you they're going to tell you to wear headphones and you should wear headphones. I know. And and I, did, I didn't, didn't listen to the game. I didn't listen to you. Yeah. Wear headphones. Yeah. So sure. part of part of the psychosis here that Senua is, is suffering is that she's going to hear voices in her head. Mm-hmm. And the way that the audio or the, the voices, these whispers are recorded, they use a, a binaural recording technique, which when you, when you have headphones on, it, you can really feel or hear the voices surrounding you and, and it, you can almost feel like they're coming from behind or from the side and, mm-hmm. and their voices will move from one side of your head to the other. And it feels, it really feels like they're in your head or surrounding you yeah, as opposed to just coming out in front of you from mm-hmm. speakers normally. Right. And so I did get to experience some of that uh, by reviewing the recordings I had made of, of playing and absolutely highly recommend <laughs> play this with headphones. It's going to make it a be- much better experience. And even if you're thinking, oh, I've got a great surround sound system. Nope. Don't care. Play with headphones. It is designed to be played with headphones and you will get more out of this experience with headphones. The other thing that I would recommend is when you start the game up, look at the controls because it doesn't tell you anything, anything at all when you're playing through the game. It doesn't tell you. There's no HUD. There's there's no no HUD. There's no tutorials. Right. It's just all of a sudden dudes are coming at you with weapons and you need to know how to defend yourself because there's light and heavy attacks and there's dodges and there's blocks. And it's important to know how to, it's very important to know how to do them. So look those up. It's only like four buttons. It won't be hard to memorize and then go forward. You know, I I was able to figure out most of it, I think, just by, just by playing, just because I've played so many games before, Mm. but there were a couple things that I did not realize until way late in the game. First of all, uh, when you get into uh, a battle with somebody, it kind of puts you into a different mode. And in, the, in this battle mode, you kind of lose camera control with the mm-hmm. red analog stick. And I thought for the longest time, that was it. They just want me to fi- stay fixed on this target. But when there's multiple enemies fighting you, it can get pretty hectic. And I felt like I lost control over what I was doing. And, and you just use the right analog stick. If you move left or right on the stick, it will change your targets. So you have a little bit more control over what you're looking at in your, in your movement. So that's important. And also, I think that there is some sort of parry move where you can, when someone's attacking, you can block and react to that. And I never, I never figured that out. Yeah, it's just the block button. Okay. See, I, I didn't do and that. I didn't do that the entire it game. It only works against the weaker guys. Like oh, once okay. you get against the heavy dudes, if you try to block their swings, it's just going to knock you back. So the block is cool and it does open them up to, to fight them back. But once you get to the bigger guys and stuff, it's, you should just dodge. Okay. Good to know. Also, when you're in battle, you can, you can still use the run button and run at your enemies and mm-hmm. attack them. And that's pretty cool. Something that's not part of the battle system is throughout your explorations, you'll come across these stones that you focus on and they start giving you lore, like this Norse mythology background information. Mm-hmm. And I thought when I first did this, I thought I had to sit there and hold the button down and like listen to them <laughs> the whole time. And I was getting a little frustrated with them. But once you focus and it, and it starts talking, 
you got to give it like another second or two and then you can let go. Because mm-hmm. what happened the first time is I let go right away and he stopped talking. Oh. And so I thought, I'm like, crap, I got to stand here the whole time. But no, give it a couple seconds and then you can walk. And it's like it's like audio recordings and other games where you can just listen to it while you're still exploring. It did seem like there were moments when I couldn't get too far away from the lore stone. I, I noticed that in a few times or in a few places, but most of the time I felt like I could just keep going indefinitely. So mm-hmm. yeah, you might want to watch out for that as well. Yeah. And then finally, um, the game does include a behind the scenes video. It's about 20 minutes long, I think. And it warns you at the beginning, you probably shouldn't watch this unless you finish the game. And and uh, I agree. With yeah. That. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But then definitely go and watch it yes. once you finish the game. Mm-hmm. So now it's time to move into the main discussion. So this is your big, huge, mega spoiler warning. From here on out, the rest of the episode, anything is fair game. We're going to be talking about the story. We're going to be talking about the very end of the game. So if you haven't played it yet, stop listening. Go play the game. Come back and check out the rest of this episode. Joe, I want to start with maybe one of the more controversial topics of this game. When you first get into a battle you're intro- you're really introduced to this concept of the darkness this rot that is infecting senoa and the game tells you right away every time you essentially die you'll get back up but that darkness is going to take over more and more of your body and you see it moving up your arm mm-hmm. and that once it gets to your brain that's it it's game over you lose your save, it's all gone, you have to start over from scratch. Which I thought, that's that's kind of cool. Like yeah. That, that's, well, it's terrifying, right? It, it's scary. And I, I didn't, like, I'm not great at games. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I am. So that's, that's a real threat to me. And I would be kind of mad if I made it like six hours in. Absolutely. And then lost my save. Absolutely. So from what I remember is, you had actually played this section. Mm-hmm. before we talked about it a little bit. And fortunately or unfortunately, I had heard that this wasn't actually true. Right. And so when I saw the warning, I thought, mm, okay, there's that warning. Now I understand what people were talking about. So how did that affect your your playing at the time? Like, what, like what did you think? Or, you know, did you... Were, did well, you th- it wouldn't have been an issue. I think by the time I got to the very end of the game... The darkness was only maybe just past her elbow. I had only fallen a couple of times. So it it wouldn't have really changed much for me. But you had already told me that it was not true. And and I hesitated. I didn't know if I should have. I didn't know if I wanted to tell you that or not. Mm-hmm. Or if I should have. Because it would have been interesting if you had gone through the whole game thinking that. Right. But I don't, I, I don't. I ended up going through the game trying to like pay more attention to see yeah. how far up her arm it was only so that i could compare it with you yeah so i don't like, know if better I, at hellblade <laughs> how I much of the darkness i don't know if i died more often but at some point i saw the darkness creep up her arm and go up to her shoulder hmm. like the rot and but then the next time i died because i died a lot it was further down and hmm. so i mean i think that's just how i so i don't know if you say you wouldn't have had a problem but i if the game is lying to you right so <laughs> right. who knows like they you know they, they can tweak how much it actually goes up every time you die or depending on what part of the game you're in or or mm-hmm. whatever but who knows like if if it actually did that maybe you would have reached that point yeah it's 
also a game about psychosis and being lied to. And that's that's I think why it works mm-hmm. and why it's not a big I don't think it's a big deal that it's in there. Like why, like, why would they flat out lie to you about that? But so much of the game is about what's real and what's not real. Right. And that's just another one of the things. And and she very well believes it. Right. Oh, yeah. She believes that she's in, she's uh, infected with this darkness and she sees it consuming her. And so, I mean, of course, she's going to think that once it hits her brain, her head, that that's it. She's yeah. not going to be able to. Well, and go on. And the darkness is, I mean, you can almost think of the darkness as one of the primary characters in the entire game. It is constantly talked about. It's mentioned over and over again with regard to her dealing with her issues, her mother's problems that apparently her mother had the same issue. And it's the darkness that causes her to leave home before she can marry Dillian. If it wasn't for the darkness, you wouldn't have a game at all. So, okay, let's let's talk about the story then. So, what is the darkness? Do you have an idea of what the darkness is? And it, and it this question, it to me, it really the the real question for this whole game for me is what is real, what is imagined in her head, mm-hmm. and how does the darkness fit into that? And to me, the darkness just represents her illness, her mental illness. Yeah, and. So, you know, maybe it was hereditary. Her mother seemed to suffer from something similar mm-hmm. and it's, it was passed on to her. But darkness is her, I don't know, like just the way that it affects her in, in the way that she responds to the world and suffers from this. Right. No, I, I completely agree. I think the darkness really is her dealing with her internal issues. So based on the on the flashbacks we get throughout the game. You, you start to piece together her, her history here, and it seems like she was showing some of these symptoms early on and, uh, when she was younger, but it's not until later that it really becomes full-blown, mm-hmm. right? So, and, and it's because of her, the problem is I don't know what her, what her behavior is. At some point, her, her father, who is like the village priest man or, or whatever, right. he's a druid. He's a druid. You know, he's trying to cure her of this, but I don't really, I didn't really understand exactly what it is that she's doing, why people don't like her. They think that she's weird. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what it is, but he tries to fix it in his own way, which apparently involves keeping her in isolation and keeping her away from everybody. Yeah. Like r- real, real great idea here, buddy. Your, your daughter is obviously suffering from mental illness and to try to cure her of that, you throw her in a dark hole. And, and he has rituals. Right. Whatever that entails. Right. But, you know, it's just... Like I said, a thousand years ago. Yeah. Right. I mean, this is just what it is. Like, they don't understand what's going on here. Nobody understands. No, they no, think no, that she's, they think that she's literally cursed. Mm-hmm. And, and he being the, you know, religious like guy. Finch. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Making connections. It's all like one shared cinematic universe. Uh-huh, it is actually. Senua was the first Finch. <laughs> Senua Finch. And they never gave her her last, gave us her last they name. They didn't. That's she why. She doesn't have a last name. Anyway, she believes that she's cursed, right? And mm-hmm. she wants to be with Dillian, but she feels that they can't get married until she figures out how to beat this darkness. Right. So she goes in the wilds and tries to figure this out for herself. When she comes back, that's when she learns that Dillian's been murdered. Mm-hmm. Now, so she's Celtic and all of the story that all the mythology that we see is, is Norse mythology. The Northmen. You hear mm-hmm. the Northmen about the Northmen a lot. <laughs> In this game. Only about a thousand times. And so they had come 
raided the village, whatever, and killed Dillian. And it's at that point that the darkness just completely consumes her. The whispers come, all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And that's really basically the start of the game. Right. Right. Because now she's got this idea that she's got to bring him back to life. She has learned all about this North mythology from this character, Druth, who she met in the wilds. And so all this stuff is going around in in her head. And so now she's, it's her mission now to go to hell, H-E-L, and and somehow bargain for Dillian's soul. Right. Yeah. It's apparently some sort of Norse legend that this goddess of the underworld, Hela, can somehow be bargained with for getting back someone's soul. So, and that kicks off the beginning of the game Mm -hmm. where she's on her mission. And we get the, we hear the whispers, right? Right. So what is real and what is not real? For this entire game, what's real? What's not real? Well, up until the very ending, I was assuming that the whole thing was real. There really wasn't any reason to doubt whether or not it was real, except for this this nagging question in the back of my head of, how did she get here? <laughs> well, she wrote on a log. Well... <laughs> But where does that log in the river, st- like, where is that river? How, do, how did she get to Helheim and, and all of these places where where this game actually takes place? Mm-hmm. How do you get there? Well, and, I mean, you just travel north, right? Maybe it doesn't matter. No, you, <laughs> the, the Northmen aren't necessarily, <laughs> you know, from this place. Well, because it's know, not a place on Earth. Well, it is. Like, the North, like, I think... In the Norse mythology, these things kind of are connected to Earth. So, so that, I mean, that's, that's like, that was my question at the beginning. I can understand, like, if this is a fantasy game, that this is a sci fi game, I understand that there's certain liberties to take. Okay. In universe, this mm-hmm. is real. This is happening. And so you kind of, from the beginning, just take that, right? Okay. This is a story. Let's assume that the Norse mythology is true mm-hmm. and that there are a number of gods. They all have different powers. They all, they're all individuals with their own feelings and emotions and they behave in certain ways. Right. And this is just, you know, the way that say the Northmen or or the Greeks with their mythology and, mm-hmm. and the Romans and whatnot, you know, they believed to some extent that all this was real. And let's just say it is. And, and this, and this is the world that we're living in. Is that the way that you were taking it that? Yeah, this is all real. This is all happening. Yes. But I, I guess I'm not familiar enough with Norse mythology to know whether or not they believed that hell was on earth somewhere. Like with, you you point out Greek mythology. Well, they believed that the gods were hanging out on, on the mountain, you know, and Zeus was up in the clouds or whatever, but you know, that, that there were gods walking amongst them here on earth. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's the case for these, these Norse gods. I just took it as whether or not it's like actually located on Earth, it's still accessible. Somehow you can actually mm-hmm. you could you can row there uh, apparently on a log and somehow gain access through the gates or or whatever. Knowing that the game's about mental illness, I was just thinking this whole time: none of this, none of this is real. Especially as you get further and further along, you're hearing more and more about when exactly this whole darkness thing really came and her influence from Druth. And learning about all the mythologies, she's just she's just making all this up in her head. And and 
She doesn't realize that though. To her, everything is completely real. Again, mm-hmm. a thousand years ago, right? Right. And she's been told all these stories about the Northmen and and how you know she has her own set of gods, and right. she and she believes that you know with her illness that she doesn't realize is her curse mm-hmm. that her gods aren't helping her out. Right. Maybe they've these, abandoned her. Yeah, maybe they're not the gods to be following. Maybe these other things are real, and mm-hmm. and that's and so. My question is, she's she's moving a lot, traveling a lot throughout this entire game. Like, where where is all this actually happening? Where is this taking mm-hmm. place? Is this just some poor girl wandering the mountains, and all, and she's seeing all these things happening in front of her? But right. to somebody watching, she's just talking to invisible people. Yeah, or is she not even moving at all? And it really is just yeah. entirely in her head. Oh yeah, that's I, I guess that's a possibility too. Yeah, it could just be a crazy hallucination. Or dream or something like that. So come the end of the game, what is it you think is real and and what isn't real? I think it it continues to not be real. It's real for her, right? Mm-hmm. From her perception, everything she's experienced, like these hallucinations are not like fuzzy images or whatever. These things look like they're all happening. Right. And I think even up to the ending that what, she, you know, what she's seeing is just not, it's, it's not really there. I think what we're seeing from the ending where it looks like she's taking on the role of Hela and she uh, takes Dillian's skull, which, by the way, that's, that's pretty cool. Carrying around this dude's skull the entire. <laughs> I'm not sure the cool was the word I was thinking. It's wrapped. I mean. Well, sure. You want to damage it's it. Kind of. It's kind of creepy. It's almost like she's finding a way to deal with or adapt to her illness. Mm. And this is her overcoming the darkness and finding a way of, of dealing with it. So she's throwing, she, she realizes Dillian's actually dead and there's no way. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't need to carry around a skull because she's carrying around the skull the whole time because she thinks that she needs it right. to reclaim his soul. And yeah. if she doesn't have that, then she can't get it back. So she accepts that she's, that he's dead, tosses it over. And we see the sort of like, I am hella, like the darkness is part of me. I am her. Mm-hmm. And now, I, I have more control over it. What I don't understand are some of the words that are said at during the ending. Yeah. So we hear voiceover and it is sort of like this narrator that we've been hearing throughout the game. Sometimes it sounds like one of the whispers, but mm-hmm. like a more prominent voice. Yeah. And she says, this is where my story once began. And so it has to end here because I cannot see further than this. And then Senoa says, she looks at like the camera, right? Mm-hmm. The virtual camera and says, follow us. We have another story to tell. And then the voiceover says, my friend, go with her. This now will be your story to witness. I don't know what any of that means. Yeah. The first part I kind of get because the, the first part where she's talking about, this is where her story began and where it ends. Like it's, it, it's talking about the story of her and Dillian and that it does end here. But I don't understand the rest of it. So is this this narrator, is this supposed to be Senua from a future time period? Like I thought it re- sounded like Senua. Retelling? Well, so I was wondering that too. Now, according to the credits, the mm. cast credits, the narrator is not played by Senua's actress. Mm. It's a different person altogether. And so when it says like, this is where my story once began. So who, who exactly is speaking there? And at some other point in the game, this voice also says, I don't talk much about her father. I suppose I just didn't want to risk upsetting her. But it doesn't matter now, does it? 
So you think it's her mother? That's what I, when I first saw that line, I thought maybe it was. Yeah. But her mother has been dead for a long time. Mm-hmm. Because, well, we think we're led to believe that she committed suicide. Right. That's her way out of like, I can't handle this anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to kill myself. Yeah. But then we learn later on that actually- It's way worse. It's it's way worse than that. Because again, it's part of this, you know, some sort of rituals or I've got to mm-hmm. cure you of this. I've got to- burning you? I've got to get the darkness away from you. <laughs> right. <laughs> to save you from the darkness, I'm going to burn you alive. Yeah. That's the father who does that. So yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about this this narrator. That's a, a question I have out, that's outstanding. It kind of felt like a cheap way to leave it open for a sequel. You really think there'd be a sequel to this? No, it, it's a game that doesn't need one, but could you see the publisher coming in and saying, we think you got something here. Hey, uh, make sure you leave something open for a sequel in case it really takes off so that we have a place to go next. So in this case, that can't be because Ninja Theory is an independent studio. They they developed and and published the game. And actually, I didn't realize that was the case for this game. Me neither. Because there actually wasn't a physical release, a retail release. Right. This was a digital only, and I think it was $30. It wasn't a full retail mm-hmm. you know, price game right. back when it came out. Even though it's it's won a lot of awards. It just came out last year, and it's won a, a lot of awards. And playing it, it doesn't feel like an indie game. No. Uh, I don't know if you would call this, you know, like the old double A sort of uh, games that had more of a, a smaller, a smaller team, but not quite indie, um, smaller team, smaller budget. I guess it kind of feels that way. So given that they don't have a publisher, yeah, I, I have a hard time uh, interpreting that ending. Well, if it wasn't something the publisher put in, then I, I don't really have a great answer for it. it like I, I've went back and I've watched the ending a couple of times and I still, I, I just can't really figure out what it's supposed to mean ninja theory could have also just said like "Mm, you know maybe we should put put an opening in here for for a sequel it's not something that only smarmy publishers do not not every terrible decision that's ever been made in video games is forced upon developers by publishers i'm pretty sure developers are good (laughs) and publishers are bad publishers evil (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. They all they care about is money and developers don't care about money at all. They right. just they're all about the art. Exactly. No. <laughs> not really. Yeah, I don't I don't even have any theories about the ending. I and and I don't know if that means that my whole theory about the game being all of it just being not real. I, I don't know if that has an effect on that, but yeah, so I, the whispers are cool. I mean, they're annoying sometimes, but I never really wanted them to go away. There was one point in the game where the whispers were gone for a short period of time. And then they're like, don't worry, we're back. Right. That was weird because it, I'm like, how long have they been gone? For? Yeah, I didn't notice. Um, but then I, I liked having them around. There I think go. it was around the time of the shards, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it, it was like right, right after right before the, that? the shard trials. Yeah. Oh, you thought it was after that? I believe it's after you pull the sword out and you go through the uh, rivers of blood and the walls of arms coming out at mm-hmm. you. When you come back from that, that's when I think the whispers are gone. Oh, okay. For a short period of time. But yeah, it just seemed like every time I was thinking to myself, what am I going to do now? They would tell me. They would just tell me, like, you need to focus. I'm like, oh, okay. Right. I, can, I can do that. Right. <laughs> she needs to find a way to go here. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Look, mm-hmm. up, look up. Look up to the door. Um, so that, that, was, that was neat. It was interesting. But they didn't always tell you. I mean, there were a couple of times when I just, I had no idea what to do on a couple of these puzzles. Mm-hmm. Especially in 
the Valraven area mm, where yes. I, I didn't quite get that. Like I figured out obviously that the, the big portal looking things mm-hmm. obviously caused things to change. That, that, that became fairly obvious fairly quickly. But then there's one that's off to the side that doesn't look like the other portals. Mm-hmm. It's just like a, a rectangular archway. And it is one, mm-hmm. but it doesn't look anything like the other ones. And that one, I I got so frustrated after like wandering around in that area for 20 minutes, not figuring out what to do, that I had to go and look at a guide because mm-hmm. I didn't want to keep looking. Sure. You don't want to waste your time. I, I, I struggle a little bit with that area. I think overall, I think this is a problem with trying to go for realistic graphics, right? Mm-hmm. And going for realistic graphics and trying to create that atmosphere, it's really dark in that area. Mm-hmm. and and filling the environment with lots of detail. It makes it look really nice. It looks very realistic, but it's sometimes hard to see right. what you're supposed to be doing from a, from a gameplay perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just one of the trade-offs. I, I, the only way I've, I've seen games get around it, they'll use like a detective mode, right? Right. Or some sort of like special vision mode where it, start, it highlights important objects in the environment. Mm-hmm. They've had to put those types of features into games because it's not obvious. Right. Yeah, but we don't have that in this game. Did so. you struggle with any of the other puzzles? By puzzles, do you mean like finding the sigils and stuff? Yeah. Once I realized that you didn't have to look crazy hard for the, the, the symbols because once you started getting close to them, you'd start seeing them all over the place, mm-hmm. right? That meant that you were close to it. I'm like, oh, okay, I need to find the symbol somewhere in the environment. Those weren't too bad. The character designs of this game are just so creepy. And do you mean like the gods, like Valraven and Sert and Druth? Well, Druth isn't a god, but well, yeah, not the not not Druth because you only see him in sort of like cutscenes, kind of mm-hmm. live action things. But yeah, like Valraven and just some of the monsters you fight because they don't have like they don't have faces, right? And they're tall and like really lean. And mm-hmm. I thought for sure this game was going to give me nightmares. So far, that hasn't been the case. <laughs> but man. The pu- and, and yeah, so the pu- the puzzles, there were a few. Mostly my getting lost and going around in circles was I just, it's dark. There's a lot of dark right. sections in the game. And I just couldn't, I just couldn't tell where I was supposed to go next. Mm-hmm. And, and I would do the thing where, um, oh, especially in the, in the, in the one shard trial where it's, you're like blind right you can barely see anything yeah and i'm like okay okay let's just pretend this is a maze and i'll stick to the wall and i'll just always go in one direction eventually i'll find the exit right mm-hmm. and that wasn't how you got out of there really no. like <laughs> so that failed me but yeah there were a few places i kept going in circles and, and and wasting some time the the bridge at the end where you're it's the bridge has like a couple gaps in it and you yeah. have to get the right angle where the pieces that are sort of like floating in the air line up just right. And it comes into, into focus. I was stuck on that for the longest time hmm. um, because I realized I had to go onto the, br- I, I didn't go onto the bridge because I knew that there was a missing piece over there, Right, but you're supposed to go onto the bridge, realize that it's not finished. I know that. And then turn around and then you, and then you get a portal into a wall right. that you can go into. So that one took me a while. That yeah. That while. took me a little while. Did any of these, not necessarily just the puzzles, but but at any of these types of situations, maybe a puzzle, maybe a shard trial, any of them stand out as like really cool, you know, ones that you really enjoyed. Towards the beginning, after your first battle, you have 
the choice of the two doors to go into. Mm-hmm. You have to go through both to open up the, the gate. And I did Valraven first. And I, I thought I really liked those puzzles if I could see what was going on. I, mm-hmm. I like those illusion puzzles and stuff. That's cool. You're not actually moving anything. Right. So it's not like it's a very complex puzzle. It's just do the things in the right order. Um, and that's neat. But the other side is Cert, and he's like the fi- this fire god, mm-hmm. right? And that was really cool when you'd go to touch the stone thing or wh- whatever. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it's like you're placed into whatever craziness was happening at the time that caused this whole place to be burnt and, and whatnot. And that was really that was really cool. I like those mm. sections, especially like whenever you have to run because something's chasing you or like the fire just kept going or surrounding you and then you make it through and, and it's like kind of just all disappears because it's not it's, it's not, not real it's not real right the big monster toward the end that's chasing you throughout mm-hmm. the dark areas and you stay in the light i thought those sections were really cool yeah that was cool uh the one it was one of the puzzles where you had to you had the torch and and you occasionally go underneath water and it would put the torch out yeah oh man uh-huh. And then you like you had to like go you had to go around through this cave, uh, and like on this other side of this gate and turn on a light from that side, mm-hmm. so that when you do go through the waterfall, there's something to go to. There's right. some light to run to. Oh man, that was intense. I think my favorite one, I, it, I believe, it was one of the shard trials where you're in a house, a huge house that's kind of like a maze, and there's this giant beast in there is trying to chase you down Mm -hmm. and you're just running from room (laughs) to room to room trying to find those those three big sigils i think is i think is what you're trying to do but you're just running as this beast is barreling through walls trying to kill you (laughs) oh man the first time the first time i did that i'm so used to the camera orienting itself like this is the direction you should go Mm -hmm. it oriented straight to that gate opening up Uh doors opening up and this thing coming at you and i'm like okay, are you my buddy? Are you going to like help me out here? And I go run up to it and I'm like burning alive. And she's like, ah, ah. I'm like, okay, not the, not the no, right thing not, to do. Not, not your pal. You've got no friends in hell. <laughs> Another thing that you told me about is that with the lore stones, which I really enjoyed, mm-hmm. I, I liked hearing all of those cool Norse stories that I don't really know a lot about. It would have been nice if there was a little bit more variety in their introductions instead of half of them starting with the Norsemen tell a tale of blah, blah, blah. But you had told me that there is apparently a special ending to this game. Oh, I forgot about that. If you find all of those lore stones. And mm-hmm. I thought, I've got, I gotta be close. And you said, well, it, it kind of shows you when you're looking at them because the letters show up differently. I was not close. I, I don't even know that I had half of them. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I I had more than half, especially. So you, you get the full picture. I like get that at the end, toward the end of the game where the whispers are all like, wait, if she kills herself, we're going to die. No, don't, 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 don't do this. Don't do mm-hmm. this. Don't do this. Right. And then you, you see a big circle that you walk through, which is looks the same. Mm-hmm. And it has all the lights lit up and you can see quite clearly uh, which ones you have found. And, uh, and I'm pretty sure I had more than half, mm. but it was not enough. I mean, it wasn't. There were too many that I was missing. I was not going to go back and look for them. It's not a secret ending. There's a secret, not even a secret. There's a bonus scene mm-hmm. that if you do find all the lore stones and you go through that circle portal, looks like a Stargate. I love Stargate. You get a little scene there with Druth talking to Senua. And he's, he's just repeating a lot of 
what we've already heard. Well, I guess it depends on how many of the lore stones and things that you find. (laughs) But I'm pretty sure like his background information just comes through flashbacks and things. Mm -hmm. I don't think you have to get the lore stones for those. But he talks about how, you know, he, in order to save his own life, he would give up locations of places for these Northmen to raid and, and do the Viking thing. But he said that there was another man from Senua's village dressed in black who also did the same thing, who it seems gave, gave away their location or whatever for his own safety. Mm-hmm. And he, I, to me, I get the impression that it's, it's her father, that it's the people who are closest to you he talks about. And so we see the, like the, the big scary voice is what I called it in my notes, but the cloaked figure that you see throughout, especially toward the end, mm-hmm. that character is played by the same person who does her father's voice. It, like it's supposed to like represent her father, right? Or right. is her father. And he's in black and in a cloak. So Yeah, could be. Well, Seems like my, the most that's my interpretation. Reasonable explanation. Let's talk a moment about Senua as performed by Melina Jurgens. That was a pretty good performance, wouldn't you say? It was an amazing performance. One that you would assume was done by someone with massive amounts of experience, someone who has clearly had many various acting roles, maybe on stage, maybe not, except that you would be completely wrong about all of that. She's the company's video editor. Yeah. And so apparently the story goes that she was just being used as a stand-in while they were working on their motion capture technology for this game. Mm -hmm. And she did such a great job at it that they just never replaced her with with a <laughs> right. with a new actress and like her this, the character of Senua, like her like her face it's modeled after after Melina's face so it looks just like her and she's doing all of everything the acting yeah uh, and the, the like, voice the, the... I, I, I could see them saying y- you did a good job with with the motion capture stuff because you uh-huh. you know maybe she's got a, a, a background in dance or gymnastics or something like that mm-hmm but she did everything. Yeah. She did the voice acting. She was the model for the face, like you said. I mean, the big thing to me is the voice acting. Mm-hmm. Because that voice acting is good. Mm. Like when she is just in the depths or when she is screaming. And that all felt really real. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's you've got the physical pain, right? Of the being burned alive in a few, mm-hmm. in a few instances and that. You've got the emotional pain. The, the confusion and the uh, the realization of of when she when she loses the skull for a little bit and realizes that like she's got to get this thing back mm-hmm. or the whole mission is bust and, and and then when she's like pleading with herself at the end yeah it's just that's uh, real good yeah it was it was really impressive so I want to get in a little bit to the topic around uh, psychosis and how it factors into this game and. Let's so let's start with that because you know even in in the the title scenes and stuff it talks about psychosis being you know a very important part of this game. Is this game about psychosis? Do you think? Well, it's not. It's not like it's an educational documentary. No, of course not about it. But is this a game that's supposed to like? Is the point of this game to? make people who have never dealt with this type of mental illness have a little bit of an understanding of what it's like. And, and I guess 
hopefully to evoke empathy and sympathy in in people well i don't I don't know about the intent, but I think it does a good job of doing just just what you said mm-hmm. because they they don't explain anything right even up till the end, I'm trying to figure out what is going on with this story here, and especially after watching that feature the behind the scenes feature and where they kind of talk about their motivations and what they were trying to do with certain things. They, they brought in people who had s- suffered from psychosis. It seems like that they had somehow recovered or were mm-hmm. able to, to talk about it and they would talk about the things that they experienced. And that's why a lot of the things are in the game, the whispers, because apparently like one of the defining symptoms of this is you, you hear voices in your head. Right. And so, you know, that's why they have that in there. And uh, the things that they're saying and, and the, the self-doubt that's in there and then the encouraging to do things that maybe you shouldn't be doing. The sigils, like the, the symbols that you see, they talk about how y- your brain just starts finding patterns and things that don't, that don't re- they're not really connected. Like a normal person would not make the association between this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's why the symbols are there. Right. And, and there's no like cutaway during the game where it's clear that she's not really experiencing all this stuff right right there's no cut scene where you're you're seeing her swinging and 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 killing these bad guys and then it cuts to her swiping in the air right right? you don't get that you're you're getting her point of view the entire time and Mm -hmm. and i mean yeah i mean i don't know what i can do with that information but in in a sense that's terrifying to me that what i'm experiencing could just just could be a complete fabrication right and and I think at some point, one of the, I think it's the narrator talks about how people didn't want Senua around because if you admit that, you know, her reality is distorted, it starts to raise questions about your own reality. Mm-hmm. So I don't know about intent, but I think, I think I started to come away with, you know, maybe what that experience is, but you know, I've got, I'm able to analyze it and, and yeah. think about it from an outside perspective and I don't, you know, it's, you're never really going to be able to fully experience it. Yeah. I think that if if someone is to say, what's the moral of the story here? I don't think the moral of the story is about psychosis at all. I think the moral of the story is dealing with, with death, dealing with the loss of a loved one. I think that's what they're really talking about at the very end of this game. But a lot of this is, I I think, done to spread awareness of severe mental health issues and things like that. And as I was talking about this game with a non-gamer and especially in light of the horrible tragedies that we've seen lately and things i I was asked well okay that that seems like a good thing what does the game tell you to do about that what is the what is the game like do they tell you if you're dealing with these types of issues here's some people you can talk to or or anything like that it does actually it does i don't know if it's part of the main game. It might be at the end of the credits. Uh, I think it is also part of the behind the scenes feature. At some point it says to go to this website, hellbladehelp.info. And I was thinking it was going to be an educational site where you go there and learn more about the, uh, the studies and, and, and the science behind it. But actually it's, hey, if you feel like you're suffering or you're, you're experiencing some of these symptoms and whatnot, here's how you can get help. You, you choose the country that you're from and uh it it gives you phone numbers uh w- ways to get mental health screenings so yeah actually and that's and that's a good point cuz I, you know, I haven't seen that in a game before 
I didn't see this when I played the game. Maybe it was at the end of the credits and I just missed it. Probably not the best place to put it, but... Probably not. But I, I remember seeing it at least twice. Okay. So I just missed it. But Okay, well, I, I think that's good then. I, I, I think maybe they need to make it a little bit more prominent would be a good thing. But especially when you watch that that special behind the scenes sort of feature thing that they have right in the main menu. Mm-hmm. Like they do talk a lot about this being a real issue that lots of people do need to deal with. And, and that it's not just, Oh, wouldn't it be great if we made a game about this? Right, right, right. You know, they, they definitely took it really seriously. Yeah, absolutely. And it, even if, uh, even if it's not speaking directly to somebody suffering from, from mental illness, Anytime you have a game like this, and we talked about it with Please Knock on My Door, just raising awareness, right, I think is because some people may, I mean, before I played this game, I didn't know what psychosis was. I've Mm -hmm. heard the word before. I've heard some people been referred to as psychotic. Right. Right. But I didn't know what it actually meant. Right. I do now. Mm -hmm. I feel like I have a better understanding of of what that means, and not just from an encyclopedia description, but because I've kind of experienced some of these things. In in maybe the the most authentic way you could experience it. So you know to 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 make people aware of it, uh, if that helps with like understanding why we should you know fund research into into these sorts of things. The the world, this country specifically, has a history of of treating mental patients very poorly. Mm-hmm. So that alone, I think makes it worthwhile but you know it didn't feel heavy-handed throughout like hey, no. let me educate you on this you could play totally without even understanding like if they took away all those messages about mental illness and mm-hmm. you know there, there's a there's a message on the game startup and then during the um intro sequence when you're rowing on the on the log the tree trunk or whatever it is uh and it has it has some credits pop up mm-hmm. it talks about their advisors like the mental health advisors and yeah. things. you know if you, if they took all that stuff away this would still be a, a you know a very good game to play mm-hmm. i think this is another example of why games are different than a book a uh, movie right right it's not passive you're taking you're taking part in the experience and so uh, often when we play these games we ask should this have been a game? Like, did it need to be a game? Mm-hmm. What does the interactive experience bring to the story, bring to the message? And this is definitely, I think, a game where it, it the story needs to be a game. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it, it definitely. You you think about the the whispers and, and and well, and so many other areas within the game that you just you you wouldn't be impacted the same way if it was just a movie or or even less visual you know if it was a book or something like that we're still not i think to, to the right balance of trying to tell the story and getting the gameplay right because i thought overall the game was pretty fun but there were there were parts where i did not i was having a hard time i did not like the game those those sigils those runes whatever those puzzles i was getting really sick of them and from a gameplay perspective i didn't understand why there were so many i didn't understand why i kept doing the same thing over and over again and from from a game perspective maybe that's not so fun but it it was an important element of the story relating the um the symptoms of the experiences of of psychosis and i understand why they put them there and and it's important to have them there but it just wasn't always fun right no i i completely agree so to to wrap this up 
how how much did you like or dislike the game? Is it a game that you'd recommend? Final final thoughts on Hellblade: Senua Sacrifice. I, I liked it. I really liked it. I enjoyed it, even though I had some downs, especially just the end. And I I I think more games should have these behind the scenes things. You know, D, like DVDs and Blu-rays have all these behind the scenes right extras. I think those are awesome. I like seeing not just how the thing was actually made, just from like a craft perspective, but it's the reasoning behind you know certain decisions. And there have actually been a lot of like PlayStation games that have these like a lot of the uncharted games hmm. as you beat them and you can unlock behind the scenes things. And I think it's awesome. And I, I hope, I hope we get to see this more often in games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That, that, that video was so well done and, and opened my eyes to so many things that I didn't understand about the story or just, you know, things that you didn't necessarily need to understand, but there's some really cool backstory stuff about Senua and, and who she's based off of. That that's all just in this short twenty-ish minute video. That's very easy to consume. Yeah, I, I would definitely love to see more of that. I also really liked this game. You know, it is however you can actually mean that. Uh, but I enjoyed the combat. I liked most of the puzzles. I don't get into puzzle-heavy games. You're way more into that than I am. I don't. I don't want really big, difficult to solve puzzles. I look for other things in games. So this was. Like the right level of puzzleness for me. Mm-hmm. I don't think puzzleness is a word, but no, sure. it works. <laughs> I obviously really enjoyed the story. I, I thought I had some really cool things to say. I loved the the music and the audio production, especially around the voices, you know, the whispers, of course. This is absolutely a game I would recommend to most adults. <laughs> like I wouldn't recommend this to children, but <laughs> It's going to really creep the crap out of them. But yeah, I, I I absolutely would recommend this game to just about anybody. Well, this concludes our discussion of Hellblade, Son of West Sacrifice. Thanks for checking us out. And thank you to Ninja Theory for creating this game. As usual, we want to know what you think of this game. You can send us your thoughts and feedback in a lot of different ways. You can find us at the Digital Media Zone com. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash VG story players. And our Twitter account is also VG story players. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, pretty much any other place you can find a podcast. And if you really like it, what we would really appreciate is for you to head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating or a review so that other people can find the show and have a better idea of what it is that we're doing here on Story Players. But this has been another episode of Story Players. Thanks for listening. I'm Josh Pollard. I'm Joe DeStazio. Adios. See ya. He seems confused. He's looking. He's reading Wikipedia. Don't go there. You'll be lost forever. The links upon links. I'll never make it back out.